Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This message is a part of our series, Who We Are, where we are unpacking our vision and asking the question, who we are as a church community. Well, good morning, church family out there on the internets. Uh, My name is Matt. If you don't know me, uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, it's my privilege to share with you this morning. Uh, And we're just really grateful, um, you know, in these days to the kindness of the Lord that we can do uh, church together still. That um, through this weird way of, uh, even though we're apart from each other, we're not physically in the same space, that the truth of Scripture where two or more are gathered in Christ's name, there he is, is still true. That um, beyond time and space, we're still together here. So whether you are, are here live in the chat whether it's um, that you are watching this later on, uh, there's still this sense and reality that we are connected in this way. And so I'm just really grateful for that kindness of the Lord today. And so uh, as we get ready to open up the scriptures together, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the God who created time. You're the God who created space. You're the God who created matter. And uh, even in these days where we are uh, disconnected by time, space, and matter, uh, that you meet with us in the midst of it. And so, Jesus, would you come uh, through your spirit? Would you come and speak to us today? Would you come meet with us today? Would you have a, give us just a real sense, um, both of the presence of one another this morning and, and even more so the presence of you with us? And so thank you that you are the God with us. Would you come and meet us today? In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, this morning we are uh, concluding uh, this quick two-part series uh, that we've done. Uh, Last week Linda spoke to us, and this week uh, I'm continuing it on. And so the series is called Who We Are. And in this series we are talking about who we are as a church family and who we believe uh, God has created us to be and the vision that he's uh, set for us together. And so uh, over the last uh, couple of years, we as a church staff and elders have been working really hard on asking the questions of who are we as a church community? Who is it that God has uniquely uh, created us to be in Stony Plains, Bruce Grove, and Parkland County? And so we've been uh, working through things like uh, Graham leading us through appreciative inquiry with so many of you and, and hearing the voice of uh, not just us, but of the community and asking what it would look like um, to walk in these new ways. And so. Linda last week uh, shared with us the vision of fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. And uh, it's really exciting uh, to walk into this. Uh, I'm really excited for who uh, I feel like Jesus is leading us to be as a community and what this can look like. Even last week as Linda was sharing, somebody had posted uh, the idea of all these different dots around the uh, Parkland County and Stony Plain and Spruce Grove representing Uh, outposts of the kingdom, for lack of better words. All these ways that we can be agents of fullness. And so uh, that's really what I want to talk about is Linda talked about how we are are believing that Jesus has for us fullness of life for everyone. That he is offering us, like he said in John 10, life and life to the full. And it's not just limited to us as in our church community, but we believe Jesus uh, has given this for our, our whole community. Uh, he says in John 12, 32, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all people to myself. And so Jesus is clearly drawing our whole community, our whole world to himself. And he's been doing that uh, 
since the days he walked, and he'll continue to do this forever. Jesus is the God who draws people to himself, and Jesus is the God who offers fullness. And uh, this idea of fullness, Linda talked about how everybody has their own understanding of fullness, and there was so much good conversation about it. But I have a question for you, and I just threw it into the chat right now. Uh, And the question is, what is the good life? Because you could exchange the fullest life uh, for the good life. And I think uh, we, as a a people, we as a culture, uh, especially if you go on Instagram and uh, Facebook and you, you search the hashtags of good life or best life, there's all sorts of intriguing stories of what that looks like. You know, back in 1997, Radiohead, uh, the British rock group, uh, maybe rock, I don't know what you'd call their genre, uh, described cynically that we, we'd think the good life, uh, according to our culture, would be being fitter, happier, and more productive. But if I can be fitter, fitter, if I can be happier, if I can be more productive, then I've hit the good life. You know, uh, Sharon Blaze uh, talks about uh, walking with. Uh, I assume maybe you're going to say God. Um, Stacy says family and, content and contentment. Uh, Linda says, I, I think our culture believes the good life is about doing whatever feels best for you. I mean, yeah, Sloan co- coined that really well. If it feels good, do it. You know, that's how it is. Uh, Stacy says contentment, uh, or oops, contentment. Sharon says walking with God and listening to him. Uh, Manny says living the way God wants us to. Love God, love people. Yeah, that's great. And so, uh, <laughs> I know, Sharon, this isn't what you meant, but perhaps the good life is found in typing errors. I don't know. That was, was funny. Um, at least I made myself laugh with that. But uh, our culture has all sorts of different ideas of what the good life is, whether that is um, things like he who dies with the most toys wins. Florence, uh, yeah, this is a really good way of summing it up, live in the moment. Shara uh, Ray says things like c- career, success, money, health, right? These are, these are the ways of the good, or this is what the good life is, you know. James Bryan Smith, uh, the theologian, says uh, that this question of the good life is the driving narrative of our lives, that the way we think about what the good life is and the way that we would desi- define success really shapes the way that we live, really shapes the choices we make and the things we live in. And so if we've got our culture's descriptions of the good life, of things like career, money, success, health, then we're going to drive towards those things. We're going to orient our lives towards those things and find them to be the way of life. And so I have another question, and I'm just throwing it in the chat here. But the question is, how do we experience the good life? And I'm slow at asking questions, or typing. Uh, the Boyds all say, living in alignment with what you believe your purpose is. And totally, that, I think Darren or Melissa or maybe Liam, uh, whoever put that, that is a good way of summing up what James Bryan Smith says. And so if we believe the good life is a certain way, we're going to live that way. And again, if you do a quick uh, search of hashtags of good life or best life, you'll see all sorts of ways that our, our culture thinks that you can achieve that driving narrative, you know. Perhaps uh, it's that VRBO commercial that keeps popping up uh, on my YouTube that says, you know, if school's not a place you have to be, then go be somewhere else. 
and it's finding like this wild adventure for your life. You know, uh, our culture talks about finding, um, finding the good life in travel, you know, going and having these experiences and goodness. Anybody in the, in the chat, any ideas yet? Um, you know, so our culture says travel, have these experiences, but then also in the flip side, it also says, you know, the best life is found in finding happiness in your own backyard. And so there's this juxtaposition of the good life is found in going and experiencing everything, but then the good life is also found in, in just finding contentment in your own space. Linda says, culture would suggest we experience the good life by selfishly doing all we can to acquire possessions and the best memories and trying new things and better things. Totally. Great job, Linda. Uh, you know, another, like Linda says, you know, there, there's this drive of new experiences. We want to, you know, taste the new wine, go to the, the playoff game w one day. Maybe even the Oilers could be in it. I know it feels hard to believe, Mike, doesn't it? I know, ouch is right. <laughs> Mike's at the tech booth in case you're wondering. But, you know, there's all these new experiences that we, we think we have. If we do that, we'll have the good life. But then there's also this other narrative that says, no, 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 the good life is found in, in finding meaning in the mundane. If you can find meaning in, in the grasshopper, in the grass, that's where the good life is being in that. Um, Blake Shelton in 2004 said the good life was found in escaping work and the grind of life and finding some beach somewhere. You know, MXPX in their song Best Life says that life is found, the best life is found in a bonfire, friends, and a case of beer. Others say the best life is, excuse me, the best life is found in the abundance of stuff, while others say the best life is found in getting rid of your stuff and living minimally. But then there's this other story, and a, a lot of you are alluding this in, to this in the chat. Uh, Sharon says it's following in Jesus' footsteps. Manny says as Christians, we believe in God, so we experience a good life by following him. Rob says we experience a good life by being sacrificial. The Clarks offer up, our culture also says YOLO, you, you only live once. Uh, this only, it only considers this life and not the, the next. Uh, Florence says, you find the good life by appreciating what surrounds you. Sunrise, birds singing, you know. The, the, the quick social media search will find the good life is, is found in yoga, at the, the hot yoga at the studio, or the hot yoga on the beach, or the hot yoga, yoga on the, the surfboard, or on the mountainside. You know, there's all sorts of different ways to experience the good life. But if James Bryan Smith is right, that there's only one true narrative. And every other narrative is driving in a different direction that doesn't offer ultimate meaning and fulfillment. That we need to discover what that one way is. And so we as a church family and as, as your leadership believe that this fullness of life, this good life, is actually found somewhere that we can discover this. And it's by practicing the way of Jesus together. Now, what do I mean by practicing the way? Well, first of all, this idea of the way of Jesus uh, is, a, is a, a language that's pulled right out of the book of Acts. Repeatedly in the book of, book of Acts, the teachings of Jesus are referred to as the way. 
and the followers of Jesus are referred to as followers of the way. And so we're coming in line with, with how it describes Jesus and his teachings in Scripture. That we think that just as Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, that there's actually life found in the way of Jesus and discovering his truth. And so let's talk a little bit about Jesus, first of all. Jesus was a first century rabbi. He, he came in line with the tradition uh, of rabbis before him. He wasn't the first. He certainly isn't the last. He was a rabbi who called disciples to himself. He was a rabbi that had his own set of teachings known as his way or his yoke. And he's a rabbi who uh, had disciples who he would call so they could pass his teaching on to the next generation. And we read about this uh, so often in the scriptures, we read about Jesus coming up to people like Matthew and Mark 9, 9 and saying, come follow me. Or coming up to John and James and Peter and Andrew and saying, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus describes his teachings this way. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Or Eugene Peterson puts it a different way in the message, and I really like the way he communicates this too. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Are you tired of the old ways, the things you've been trying, the striving you've been putting on, trying to get to the good life? Because if so, come follow me. Learn from me the good news. Or sorry, come to me, get away with me, and recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Now, uh, most of you uh, are used to rural analogies of, of yokes. You know, growing up in Calgary in the city, I, I thought this had to do with eggs, but that's a different type of yoke. Instead, a yoke is something that would go on the back of two, um, two oxen or other work animals to have them drive together because the weight would be too much for one to carry. And so a yoke would be fitted over both their shoulders to get them moving and uh, moving together to, to ease up the work. And Jesus invites us into his life saying, my yoke is easy. It's proper fitting for you. You don't have to do this alone. This work isn't yours to carry on your own. Instead, this work is to be done in tandem with me. Jesus invites us to come and learn from him, learn from him the good news of his kingdom like Linda talked about last week and like Linda shared with that Bible Project video about heaven and earth that talks about the kingdom being the space where heaven and earth combine again, where they overlap. This is the true narrative that heaven and earth will become one again, that God is going to completely return one day and dwell among us and we can live lives in congruence with that today. The good news of the kingdom, Jesus says in Mark 1, is that it's near. The kingdom is near. And so he says, repent, which means turn around. You've been going one way, but I've got another way for you. And all the ways that you've been trying to get the kingdom to come, which in first century, century Israel was the Pharisees trying to, to uh, do all the right things so the Messiah would come, and the zealots, on the other hand, trying to, to fight the Romans and overthrow them in hopes that the Messiah would come and lead them fully to victory. Jesus says those ways are not the ways of life. Let me show you a new way. I think he's saying to us today, let me show you a new way. Follow me. 
come to me. Life isn't found in amassing possessions and and power. It's not found in uh, success. It's not found in obeying rules to earn God's acceptance. It's not about trying harder. Instead, the best life, the good life, the life to the full, is found in practicing his way. And we do this through apprenticing with him. Now, we've been using the language of apprenticeship for a few years now. Uh, some of you may be wondering where this come from, comes from. Well, like I said before, Jesus is a rabbi who calls disciples to himself. Now, the word disciple is a Hebrew word, talmudim, and this is a learner who would become like their rabbi, who would follow their rabbi wherever they went in the hopes to become a rabbi, like their rabbi is a rabbi. And this word disciple is a great word, it's a rich word, but in a lot of ways, it's kind of a lost word. You know, Graham and Ray have done a great job over the years uh, reminding us what disciple meant. Um, But for those outside of our community, it's a misunderstood word. I know for myself growing up in the church, I assumed a disciple was kind of like a super Christian. That if I was going to be a disciple, then I had to have all the answers. I had to know everything. But that's not what it means. It's a learner, but we seem to have mixed that up. And so we've, we've talked about flipping it to being an apprentice, not because it, it, it really changes anything besides it gives better cultural verbiage for what's happening. An apprentice is uh, somebody who is learning a trade alongside a master. So they're with their master, learning from their master how to do the trade just like their master does. So an electrician who's an apprentice is with their master electrician, learning how to be an, an electrician like their master is to be like them and to do what they do, to be an electrician just like they are. Or, you know, a Jedi Padawan is an apprentice who is with their Jedi master, learning how to be a Jedi like their master is. You know, it didn't work so well with Anakin and Obi-Wan, but we could imagine a better way one day. In the same way, we think an apprentice of Jesus is someone who is with Jesus, learning to be like Jesus and do what Jesus does that in him we find the best life. And a beautiful thing about an an apprentice, if any of you have been an apprentice before, or maybe your kids are, or somebody you know, uh, the first-year apprentice is expected to know nothing. The first-year apprentice is expected to go get the coffee, to follow around, and to, to, to learn the trade. And as you grow more and more, you're expected to grow more and more. You get to know more, and you're expected to do more. But it takes away a lot of this pressure that we can have on ourselves through the word disciple. And so I want to talk through um, what it means to apprentice with Jesus. And first of all, it's this. We don't apprentice with Jesus alone. We're with Jesus. In 2 Timothy 1.7, we read this. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We practice the presence of Jesus and we apprentice with Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit who brings us power, love, and self-discipline. And so first of all, I want to talk through how do we be with Jesus. Well, first of all, in Matthew 28, we read this. This is called the Great Commission. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mount where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So go make other disciples, but here's the power of it. And surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Our apprenticeship is based on being with Jesus. Jesus is not the God of the deists, the one who wound up the clock, got it going, and disappeared. Jesus isn't out there in some cold, dark room. Jesus is instead with us. All of life is ripe with the presence of Christ. Like the Psalms say, there's nowhere we can go to flee his spirit. And so all life is practiced in his presence. And so we apprentice with Jesus. He hasn't left us on our own. And so how do we do this? Well, we think the best way to practice the presence of God and to to be with him is through spiritual disciplines. Now, what disciplines? Well, the good news is there are a ton of disciplines, and we're going to try a lot of them over the next number of years. You know, if you're you're one of our men, there's an opportunity to start this right away by joining the men's small group that's going to be working through spiritual disciplines, but there are things like prayer and scripture reading. There are things like um, serving and study. They are things like worshiping together. There's all sorts of ways to connect with God. It doesn't look like a one-size-fits-all. Instead, God wants to meet with us in all different ways because he's created us all to be different. Now, spiritual disciplines, these, these things we do, aren't here to earn God's favor. You know, I had this wrong perspective of spiritual disciplines for a long time that, you know, I have to read and pray every day and then I'll be okay. That if I do this, that's how I earn my acceptance. But we don't do spiritual disciplines in order to earn anything from God. Instead, we, we engage in these spiritual disciplines to be with God, to learn his ways. You know, Dallas Willard uh, said that grace isn't opposed to earning, or to effort. It's opposed to earning. Grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So we're not, we're not trying to earn anything by trying spiritual disciplines. Instead, what we're doing is that we're trying to just get to know him. We're putting effort in into this relationship, much like we need to put effort into our marriages, we need to put effort into being parents, we need to be, put effort into being co-workers. So we put effort in so that we can get to know Christ. And as A.B. Simpson, our founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, said, the real gift is found in himself. It's not in the blessings that he offers. It's not in anything else. It's, it's really in himself. And so we, we want to know this Jesus because he's the source of life and he is the source of peace. So um, as, as I said, the first thing we do is we're with Jesus, abiding in him like John says. Secondly, we're becoming like Jesus. Uh, throughout church history, uh, the language has been used of sanctification. And sanctification is this process by which we become more like Christ. And another word, a current buzzword for this would be spiritual formation, this process by which we're formed spiritually to be like Christ. And we get this through a lot of places in the scripture. One of them is this in Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He predestined us to be conformed 
the image of Christ, to be changed, to be like Jesus. And so what does Christ look like? Well, we've got a really great picture of it. It's found in Galatians 5, and 23. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the marks of Christ. That if you, you look at these words, these are beautiful descriptors for who Jesus is. And they're also things that Paul tells us in Galatians that are things that we become like. That the more we become like Christ, the more we become these things. And honestly, let's stop and think about it for a second. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Could you imagine what our world would be like if more people were marked by these things? This would be good news in and of itself. If more and more people didn't walk in division, but walked in peace, didn't walk in annoyance and anger, but walked in love, didn't walk in impatience. I mean, slow down and ask your grocery store clerk next time you're in there, how's the week been? How's the day been? How How are people treating you today? People are pretty short these days. It's tough. And so we want to walk in these ways because our world needs this good news. They need us to be good news by being like Christ. Now again, you could think that the fruit of the Spirit are things that you need to grow, things that you need to make happen in your own life. But that would be missing the point. It it doesn't say here, the fruit of trying really hard is this. Instead, it says the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, youth and uh, youth leaders, forgive me for using this analogy yet again, but in ancient farming, uh, you would never get the perspective that you could grow fruit on your own. In ancient farming, you didn't have irrigation systems, you didn't have uh, hydroponic lights, so you could even grow things during winter and greenhouses. Instead, what you had is you had soil, you had seed, and then you had hope. Right? You had some fertilizer on the side. You, you might be able to, to bring a bucket of water from somewhere. But all you could really do is plant seeds, put some manure around it, and kind of hope for the best because the rest of it was out of your control. You couldn't, you couldn't guarantee rain to come. You couldn't guarantee that an early frost wouldn't come. You couldn't guarantee flood. You couldn't guarantee drought. You, that was all God's job. In the same way, our spiritual formation, what happens when we're with Jesus practicing his way, what happens there then shapes us to become more like Christ because the Spirit does his part. By our spiritual disciplines, we're putting ourselves in his pathway, we're becoming good soil, but then he does his part. He does his work to shape us to be like Christ. Isn't that amazing? I don't know, to me that's good news. It takes the pressure off of me. I don't feel like I need to become this all on my own. But instead it gives me space to practice and to grow. Space for failure, but space to trust Christ even more. And so we're with Jesus, we're becoming like Jesus, and thirdly, we're doing what Jesus says. In John 14, 12, Jesus says this, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these things because I'm going to my Father. Or uh, in Luke, Jesus says this in uh, Luke 6, 46 to 49. 
He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building his house who dug down deep and laid down a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment a torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus actually cares about the way we live. Jesus actually cares about the way we walk in the world. Jesus actually cares about our obedience. Jesus actually cares. He wants us to be like him. And he's given us his spirit to empower us to be like him. You know, like 1 Timothy 1, or 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, it's that power. He empowers us through holy living, things like spiritual gifts, and also through the transformation of our character. You know, church history is ripe with stories of, of people whose lives have been transformed. You know, like a guy like Peter, who in the Gospels we read is brash. He's calling down curses from heaven on, on people. He's, uh, he's, he's a a really weird dude, you know? He, he, he sees um, Jesus transfigured, and he's like, let's build a tent, and he's just talking over and over again, but he's just brash. And then the Spirit comes on him, and he's a man transformed. He's strong. He's strong. He's the voice of the early church in, at Pentecost speaking. He's, he's a rock. He's speaking boldly. No longer is it, is it weird and and rash and brash, now it's, it's thought out and methodical. He's changed. Or, you know, John, who, who the book of John, he calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved. We read earlier that, you know, Jesus and his disciples are rejected in Samaria. And, and John's like, let's call down lightning from heaven to destroy them. This does not sound like the one who's a disciple of love. And yet his story continues in the book of Acts and in his letters. And he is a, a man marked by love. And we read this throughout church history. We see countless stories of, of people walking into persecution with peace. We see the founding of hospitals by Christians who self-sacrificially didn't care whether they would get sick because their drive for their love of their neighbor caused them to sacrifice for others. We see repeatedly stories of people's lives transformed. And we know how our own lives have been transformed too. We want to do what Jesus says because our world needs us. Jesus has placed us in the world to be his body, to bring his goodness, his love, his mercy to those around us, to be outposts wherever we go for the kingdom of God. You know, just like that, that picture of the, the map last week that somebody brought up. Like, what if all these dots represented, you know, outposts of the kingdom of heaven. Wouldn't that be beautiful? And yet it's true. It's not a, a what if. This is reality that we have been placed by God intentionally where we live for such a time as this to, to be with him, to be like him, and to do what he does. And here's some more good news. Because, you know, you look at this and you go, how could I ever do this? I can't do this alone. Well, Jesus never intended you to do this alone. Jesus has always intended you to do this in community. He, he called community to himself. Jesus didn't just call one disciple. He called 12, but then even among, 
uh, beyond that, he had so many more disciples who followed him everywhere. Jesus has called us to do this together in community. We talked about this a lot in fall in our Still Together series, sorry, in our whatever series that was, Still Together was summer. But uh, at the end of it, I, I talked about this idea coming out of Hebrews chapter um, 10, where it says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another onwards to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. We drive one another onwards. We push one another onwards. We need one another to do this. We need intentional community, people who know what life is like for us, who can call us uh, on uh, where we need to, to grow to be more like Christ, but also to encourage us in going, I have seen you grow so much more towards Christ. Now, we have the choice. We can choose to apprentice with Christ, or we can choose to, to not apprentice with Christ. Dallas Willard says the cost of non-apprenticeship is far more than the cost of actually apprenticing with Jesus because that's causing you to miss out on peace and love and joy and mercy and kindness and so on and so forth. And so, church family, we're asking, will you come with us? Will you join us in practicing the way of Jesus together so that we can see fullness of life for everyone? So that we can experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living together. So let's pray. Jesus, thanks um, that you are with us. Thanks that you believe in us, that we can be like you and do what you do. And thanks that you, your plan, um, your primary plan for the movement of the way around the world is through your people, and that includes us. And so, Jesus, would you uh, inspire us more and more with your ways? Would you teach us the ways that you've designed us to be with you? And Jesus, would you reveal to us uh, who you're creating us to be so that we can do what you do? And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless uh, our church community. Bless us with your fullness. Bless us with your life. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.